I am Ben Grimm, and hiatus again, doing the back, doing the show again, trying to get things cranked out. So I got to mention this from today, some uh, street corner hustling still alive and well when I was out riding my bike, just getting out of the house, getting some exercise, and I got to talk about this because it really made me smile and kind of cheered me up at the moment, but just riding around just riding over near Burnett Road and behind this furniture store, this disabled guy and his hover-around scooter or his rascal or whatever, just posting up on the corner behind the furniture store with a tall boy, a 40 or something, something like that. And started, like right as I'm riding by, he had just parked and immediately started cranking up some tunes and just started like jiving and having a good time and just like entertaining himself. And it was great. I hadn't seen that in a long time. And it was like old school hip hop too. It was really good. And it really made me smile. That was, that was perfect for today. I've got a, I've got a friend and coworker and entertainer this episode of my unknown radio program. But, uh, you know, podcasting, it's unknown, but podcasting's arrived, and the time is now for artistic mediums like this. But anyway, so this guy, I've known for three years now. He's still a mystery to me. He prefers signing documents with a dreadlock smiley face rather than his name. And uh, that's who we're dealing with here. Iggy Wella is, uh, is a poet is a bartender, and I've got to talk, I've got to, I've got to read, I've got to describe this Christmas card he sent to me uh, in 2012, and on the back, it's got some photos on the front, and on the back it says, Ben, you're truly a good person, I'm glad we have the chance to work together, and I'm glad we've become more than co-workers. You have a great work ethic, and as a friend, you're always fun to be around. I'm glad you have Lauren in your life to help nurture your great character, because she is surely someone special. Signed... Smiley face dreadlock guy. And on the front is some photos that have some pics that have nothing to do with Christmas. This is a Christmas card. But these pics are great. There's there's a, you know, there's a girl that's kind of like halfway topless, standing on a car. There's some guns. There's a flamingo in the yard. There's uh yeah, it's like it's great. It's great. What do you what do you know about that, Iggy? <laughs> Uh, the guns are real. That's what I know because I didn't know that till the day of this uh, photo shoot for the Christmas cards. Uh, I also know that all that was meant to send or share smiles with people that we knew and or cared about, and you got one. That makes me feel special. You still have that. I had to say that it. was three <laughs> years ago. Three years, three, and I remember this because. Uh, at that time in my life, I was a new bartender, new to the service industry, and I remember being, wow, Ben put me in shape in a sense of, Iggy, this is how bartending is, how is done. And I was like, all right, got it. Uh, yes, this understood. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. So tell me about cometry, what you uh, what you do for a living. You, d- you make a living uh, going on the road doing cometry. Going on the road. Uh yeah, so I bartend once, twice, maybe four times a month. It just it all varies. Comedy, it's a blend of comedy and poetry. 
we use entertainment to educate students on diversity, leadership skills, and social skills. And in that, uh, we talk essentially on any topic that people just want to assign to that. The ultimate goal, if you want to be frank, is how do you become a person people love to be around? How do you become that person people enjoy in a genuine facet? Like, like That's what we're preaching on here. And you can apply that to anything. How do you become a, a manager, a leader, um, a teacher, a professor, a student, a friend, a mother, a father that someone loves to be around? And Chad and I narrowed it down to basically four values. There's more. There's many more out there. But these four are our favorite. And in that, that came the acronym GRAV, which is growth, research, approachability, and validity. That's commentary. So audience reaction and responsiveness, sometimes you guys are you guys are playing to small rooms or uh, or a room to three hundred college freshmen. Is it is it frustrating sometimes? Is this you know, since you're not selling tickets versus the school or institution booking you guys? And you know, they're maybe kind of having to be there that day? It's it's rewarding, uh, and here's why. So for high school, it's an assembly-wide event. They're always, they're always going to be there. The entire school will be at the program because they, the school paid for that program. And that could be a school of 200, that could be a school of 2,000, that could be a school of 4,000. Uh, we, we've had them all. And for college, it's hit or miss. It's, we go to a college... They advertise it. Students show up or not. It all varies. We never know. We've done a show for two students. We've done a show for 300 students on a college campus. Man, actually, more than that. 600-ish. Not 1,000? Around there. Not, we haven't broke 1,000 okay. on, on a college campus. I don't think so. Uh, unless it's an orientation where they have to be there. And I, I, I'm not saying that they have to. Like It's like a, a negative thing. Once you see the show, once you're there, you're you're gonna be glad you you were there for sure. I'm not trying to boast myself there, but we never had a bad show. We've never had a bad show. How many shows a year are you guys doing? The goal for this year is sixty two. We did forty six last year. We did forty four the year before that. We did thirty three and twelve. Or 24 and 12. So we've done this for quite a few years. It's just every year we grow. So we went from 12, 24, to 33, to 44, to 46, to my goal this year is 62. Uh, Which makes me nervous and excited. Because we brought on two new people. And in that, we don't know if we have enough shows with them or... We have too many shows that we can't get to. It's a hit or entertainment is a hit or miss. It's hit or miss. You never know what you're going to do that year. And that's six months. About six months out of a school year for high school, college. Uh, about eight. Okay. Eight months. Yeah, yeah, eight months. Yeah, it definitely is condensed. There's no summer. There's no winters. There's no or not winter, but winter break takes up a lot, especially in college. 
Um, there's the, of course, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all the holidays you can imagine. They're off, we're off. When school's in, we're in. But then when they're in, they also got testing, they got finals, they got all kind of things that just interfere with bringing outside programs that limit our schedule or calendar. So we essentially only work about seven, uh, you probably be right, six months of the year, but it's condensed. It's really tight. Okay. Yeah. So t- tell me about the two-man team dynamic. Chad, Chad Sanji. Uh, so Chad jumped on speaking or doing comedy, and I was doing poetry. I was doing funny poetry, serious poetry, and he jumped on with the idea of like, hey, if we add more laughter, the message you're speaking on or the message, the message that we can speak on can be more prominent or at least more receptible. And so he decided to add his element or his skill or his trait to it. And that's when the idea of, like, what are we doing? What's what's coming of this? And that led to, we're mixing comedy and poetry. That led to comedy. That led to what Chad essentially does, to, in, in my eyes, is allows the audience to receive a message without necessarily knowing they're getting a message. Because through laughter, you can get all that. Without being offended, without being abrasive, without being distant, without being like uh, or bored, you know, it's it's comedy or laughter allows you to say to to say, wow, yeah, an agreeance of some sort, or yeah, but if you disagree, at the same time, we're at least giving you avenue of here's what we did, here's our experience, take what you want. Okay, so you there, there's a lot of there's a lot of short attention spans and cell phones in the room, and you know maybe maybe everyone it kind of got everyone kind of got filed in there, um, you know because the the institution or the school booked it. So what do you guys do to kind of grab everybody to kind of keep things together to get to get so it's such a good show and everyone's on board with you? Good question. Uh, shock humor. Or not shock humor, but we shock them. They always assume or think, they being students, that we are going, they're, they're going into a auditorium, regular speaker, you know, about some sort of topic that's being hot or, you know, mentioned in media, you know, recently. And they show up with this defensive mechanism of like, oh gosh, another one of these things. I can't wait to get out of here. Once we're done with this, I got one class and I'm leaving or I'm done after this. And we negate all that by just entertaining for the first 12 minutes. So, yeah, it's tell me about just, the tell me about the buy-in. I think you mentioned that too. Strictly, me. yeah. It's strictly entertainment. It's the first 12 minutes of all of our shows entertainment or educational uh, program we entertain we make them laugh we, di- we we dive in we research the campus or the school wherever we are and we we use jokes that not make fun of them but we that they can relate to so for instance let's say there's a building on campus that's abandoned we'll talk about that abandoned building for a while to start up uh, start the show off we'll talk about um, you know, regular human interactive uh, 
commonalities that we can all share and relate to that make everyone just basically buy in. And they're like, oh, this is great. I'm at a show at my high school. I didn't know I was going to Yeah, it's not, just, not just another motivational it, speaker. It, yeah, we're so different. We're so, so different. I saw a speaker the other day uh, up in Dallas, and uh, he was talking the whole time. Had a few jokes here and there, and one good story. We entertained the whole time. We'll tell you our story in our entertainment, and then we reiterate the message for about two minutes, and we're done. Because we just know that we must keep everybody engaged. So, so how do you got you and Chad work together? You you guys kind of split the split like the comedy part of it, or is there one of you that? It sticks to the poetry side. Well, he's more and comedian, he... or yeah, a comedian than I am. I, uh, he tells me this in person. I'm funnier. I'm more the social, more the extroverted person of commentary. Uh, that shows or shines on stage as well. We do a lot of random improv. I think it's just more. I mean, we we go we feed off each other. Chad will say something, and I'll be like, oh, it's a good time to kind of mention X, Y, Z. And so in that, there's a lot of witty slash banter that goes back and forth. And that's where I think I shine as a comedian. Chad writes then a comedy. He literally knows joke structures. The one, two, three, the callbacks, the how do I make this funny, even if it's the dumbest thing in the world. Oh, all you got to do is tell me what is the dumbest thing in the world, and it's funny. So he knows a lot of things like that. Uh, I just am that, but I don't really necessarily structure the show or make a make make comedy happen in the sense of comedy. I do it in the here's the message. I want you to get this. This is my goal for tonight or the today, and understand it. And that's gonna come through poetry. Now, it'll come through funny poetry, it'll come through serious poetry, it'll come through something that makes me feel like you got the message. And then Chad will, if I go way too dark, Chad will come back on top and be like, <laughs> it's too let's, dark. let's add some frosting let's, let's on this. Up. this is, I get it, I do put some sugar on that because this is kind of hard. And then we know, so we, call, we always go, we go back and forth in the sense of relating to audience. Um, making sure they're connecting with our message or our experience and then going forward. There's one funny, well, there's one like testimonial or uh, review on, on the website that uh, I think was from a school in Canada that stuck out to me that was kind of funny. And she's like, the, he or she is just like, one guy's trying to do his poetry and the other guy's trying to be funny. And, but actually it was really great. And everyone learned, everyone learned and everyone had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't recall the actual person that was. I shouldn't know that because this is the, we put that on the on our, our website. Um, it is hard to explain commentary. It really is. You only can understand it when you experience it. And so, what I get from her tone or her quote is, we sold her a product. We were like, hey, this is gonna, this is our message. This is how we're doing it. Yes or no? She took a chance, and at the end of it, she was like, I don't know what's going on, but I get it. You know? And 
her understanding that comedy and poetry can be used to entertain or educate students or people, it, it just blew her world. It just blew her mind. It blew our minds when we thought about this. Like, we can do it. So it is hard to explain that. Yes, we're going to basically make you laugh for 57 minutes, and we'll talk about the important things for three minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's right. going to, yeah, you know. Have you ever listened to Ockerville River? No. Will Chef, that's a that's a band, Austin Austin band, but they kind of spend a lot of time in Connecticut and like places like that, and like you know, up north uh, on that coast. But Will Chef writes some um, some of the best heart wrenching and poetic songs you can listen to. Sometimes very difficult to decipher, but. Yeah, that's like really, really good songwriting. That's very poetic. I would, I would recommend that to you and anyone to to check that band out. A lot of sad songs at times, but really good music. Making notes, definitely. Making notes of that. Yes. Talented poet. So, Cometry doesn't do any shows in Austin. Uh, correct. And here's why. It's not like we hate Austin. I love Austin. I moved there for a reason because it's the best city in the nation. Uh, I know, speaking to many artists, that traveling will wear you out. Every hotel is the same. Every show, because you're doing the same set most for the most part, that wears you out too. So it comes to a point where you're faking your laughs or you're tired of booking, you know, hotels and flights and rental cars and all that. I want to, whenever I feel that for the first time, I don't feel it now, but when I feel that, you know, uh, wearsome or drudgery, I, is that even a word, drudgery? Drudgery yeah. is a word. Yeah. It's hard hard to say right now. Drudgery. I want to make my living in Texas. I want to wake up at 9 o'clock, do three shows near me, be done by 3.34, and come home. Driving. That's why I don't market in Texas, because I want to save all my... I guess you can say... The, save comedy The Austin for, Radius yeah, tour uh, shows for, the, for last. Yeah, I want them to realize that basically in the last seven years... We've done every single state in the country. Texas now deserves this. Let's do it. Not not deserve. I think should have or needs or wants. Um, once they see it, they'll they'll want it. And when they want it, I'll have the easiest schedule that I want for myself. Yeah, that's that's a good plan. That is a good plan. Um, is there a uh, is there a is there a school or part of a tour that sticks out in your mind or that something that makes for a good story? Yeah, we're going back there actually. The last um, last going time back. I talked to you, uh, I told you about a school that booked us and made me basically just drop in tears. We're going back there January thirteenth. This is uh, St Andrews Episcopal Episcopal School in Mississippi. We, it was a, essentially, it's it's a very elite school uh, in Mississippi, or even the nation, and we did the show, 
And at that time, I had dreadlocks. You know, I'm just short, African-American. African, yeah, I'm really African. Um, just, I kind of felt the discredit. I felt the, uh, another, one of those, another one of these programs, you know, eyes rolling, um, students showing up and just not caring, talking, dis- disrespectful to their own peers and their friends. And we started our show. As you heard earlier, entertainment. They're with us. And then it got serious. And then it got to the point where it was, you know, really into it. At the end of the show, standing ovation. I mean, it was one of those that we walked off, Chad and I came back because the crowd got louder and louder and louder. And these are like young geniuses, very smart kids oh, yeah. in this these, school that are, these, mean, they, are they, they, they can see you coming from a mile away. And... Exactly. These kids have speakers who show up and tell them exactly what they've already had or taught or learned or know. And they thought that about us too. And when we started the show, it was a different story. They got to experience these lessons, these ideas, these thoughts, these things that we share, these values. Standing ovation lasted for probably two minutes, which in my mind and heart felt like 25. 330-something kids standing up. Not one person. Is what, not what state was this? Mississippi. Okay. Yeah, and we're going back there. Going gonna, back to gonna, Mississippi. I'm going back there to cry and to share some more joys and laughter. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That is a great. That's a great story. Yeah, Lauren Powell. I remember her. she's the one that called me recently and was like, "Hey, we want you back." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> we're coming. We are." So, what kind of poet are you? Do you uh, kind of stick to traditional guidelines or more of a free artistic expression? The latter. Style? The, the latter for sure uh, there is structure in some sense but I break and bend those rules I don't write sonnets I don't write duets I don't write I don't follow like A, B, A, B structure necessarily I know all those things or at least I've heard of some of those things and in that I say okay for this poem this structure may work and then within that poem I would switch it up to say A, B, A works for this stanza a, B works for this stanza. A, B, C works for, you know, so I don't, yeah, freelance for sure is the ultimate explanation for what I actually write. Um, I do know that I write for myself now than I ever did before. I used to write for the audience. I used to just write and name drop, like President Obama did this, oh, Bill Clinton, da da and the audience will go crazy, whether they agree or disagree. Right. And that was just, you know, writing for the audience. The topical now, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now I write basically for me, and I know because I am a human, people can relate to my feelings, and that's what makes me feel like a full artist. I, I talk about my life, my experiences, my story. You will... Or will not agree, but you will at least feel something. You'll feel something. something you can relate yeah. to some part of it. Exactly. Yeah. You want to do some poetry? 
You're on the show. You gotta do it. Put me on the hot spot. You can you can take a second because I can edit some. In the two weeks, he went sober. We drank coffee. We cleaned the house. Went down to unemployment office together. Growing up, the local cops knew our names. Fighting to cut off in our family. It was our religion. Every month, we had to sacrifice our father, take a pot to his head, and lay the drunk man out. The sirens, the tears, the AA classes, the court hearings, evictions never changed much. There were times I could beat him sober for days, but never long enough to get to know him. Beyond the alcoholic, I only came around a basketball game screaming, That's my boy. My father laid passed out in the neighbor's yard. The lawn ornament relocating itself every week. My father, the drunk. We fought toe-to-toe, knuckle-to-knuckle. After 22 years of it, I decided, I decided to work things out. I tried to understand why my father had so much anger released at the twist of a cap for three years. I didn't swing on a man. Until this morning. A loud thump off the wall, a jaw hung open. My mother laid out across the floor, the pain wrinkling her face flash. There's a lot more to that poem, too. I sometimes get through it. Sometimes I can't. It brings me back to just growing up where I was. Just emotional stuff. Yeah, it was. It I was can really, relate to some of that. It was really hard growing up with an alcoholic, for sure. So did you ever do, did you ever tour doing poetry or stand-up before joining Chad for the commentary stage show? I did. I uh, did a lot of workshops in high schools in my area. So when I got down to college, I didn't want to become a traditional college graduate, meaning working nine to five, using my degree in some field that I didn't even know. Degrees to me are typically a statement of, hey, or a declaration of, hey, I can do something. I can see something through to the end. And, yeah. And I have I can some, some skills. stick to a program of some sort. I, I got that. What I wanted was something that was more fulfilling. I wanted to become a person who can do something with my skills and values and get paid for that. And at the time, I knew I was good at slam poetry. But I didn't know how to get paid for it. So I just basically went to all the schools in my district and did workshops for free. And then eventually got paid for those. And then eventually started doing shows. And eventually that became to start a company. I didn't think it was going to be full-time. It was definitely part-time at that time. And then Chad came in and was like, hey, this part-time thing looks good. Let's make it full-time. Here's how. He, he's a visionary for sure. He, that guy is a visionary of all sorts. And much credit to Chad Sanji for sure. He took my life from being average to... Obscure. Yeah, I don't even know where it was. It was below average. Well, not too obscure, but, well, you I mean, you're I, still kind of obscure. I mean, as a person, for sure. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree with you, for sure. I'm not the common individual you'll meet. <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> is that bad to recognize that and be like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're uncommon. I know. <laughs> oh, man. It, it made me feel, or commentary makes me feel, that's the it, like I did something. What kind of... I say did. If I were to, let's say, pass tomorrow. Okay. I would feel like I did something. If I was on my deathbed, no regrets, or with a million regrets, who knows, I would know that commentary impacted some lives, for sure. So, Well, that's good that schools need... And schools need colleges or high schools need good speakers like that, where it's not just, you know, I was a drug addict, I'm a motivational speaker now, very, you know, up and down, black and white. They need they need entertainment like that, but something that has a really, like, a, a educational value to it. It's important. What I feel like we do different, there's motivation and there's inspiration. Motivation is... Do A to get B. There's an external factor saying, if you don't do A, I'm going to spank you. I want your room clean. Let's say, for instance, a parent, an eight-year-old son. Clean your room or I'm going to spank you. That's motivation. You're motivated to clean your room because your parents are going to spank you if you don't. Inspiration to me is, I want to do A because I want B. I want to clean my room because I want my parents happy or I want a clean room or I want to be organized. It's an internal drive. And once you're inspired, once you got that drive of I want to do it because I want X, Y, Z, that's a different kind of driving force. I have to, I, kind of on that note, talking about, you know, you know, speakers and entertainers coming to public schools or colleges, I have to, I have to talk about my fifth grade awkward drug addiction assembly speaker story. Duh. I have to, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget this. Uh, in fifth grade, you know, they're trying to catch, catch you before you're going into middle school and maybe scare you a little bit and... It, you know they're they're trying to educate you, but this, <laughs> this so this guy they they book this guy, you know all the fifth graders, fourth graders, we're all you know it's at the end of the end of the day, probably on a Friday I think, and it starts dragging on this guy's thing, and he's kind of doing this Stevie Wonder bit a little bit. He's on the piano and. He's talking about his family and his you know everyone in his family is addicted to drugs and. Kind of a sob story, and, you know, it's really, it's it's dragging on for like an hour, maybe a little longer than that, and he's starting to lose people. And I even, I remember that there's this huge disconnect with the audience, and I remember looking around at the faculty and teachers, and they're starting to look kind of, they're starting to look confused and kind of have this look of like, uh-oh, maybe this was a mistake booking this guy, because he's starting to lose us, lose the kids, the students, and... You know, he's doing his Stevie Wonder thing, and it's just like, fine, it's like, where, where is he taking this? Because it's dragging on, and finally, like, the climax, an hour later, like, the huge lesson was, you know, don't, don't get addicted to Tylenol. It's like, my mom and my dad 
had addictions and died because of Tylenol. And I, I was just like, that was, I was like, I was expecting some horrible, awful drug. <laughs> and he says Tylenol. And that was the, that was the, that was the huge, uh, like climax of the show lesson of it. And, and I'm sitting there like, this is, oh, uh, there's no way. It's like, <laughs> so don't go to Walgreens. Don't go to HB here in Austin. Yeah, too, too much of anything can kill don't you. Don't go to Jewel Osco here. Don't don't become a Tylenol junkie. Don't buy Tylenol. And that's you know that's that's uh that's that's the lesson <laughs> that you need to hear when you're going into middle school. Sometimes, maybe I don't know. What? Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, that's what we wanted to get away from. We wanted to get away from speakers who take. The most cliche analogies and try to make it seem like it's the best thing in the world. Because you can speak about anything. I can tell you that this box is the best box in the world. As long as I sound and feel that way, you will too. Now, there might be a disconnect at the end, but you'd be like, we talked about a box for an hour. (laughs) And I mean, it was entertaining for some reason. I guess I need to look out, watch out for boxes. He talked about a box for. I, I, why was I entertained for an hour? Listen, you know, so you can do it. If you speak with confidence, it'll be there. At the end of it, when you really break it down and analyze it, you can, you're can you going to realize not much was there. Uh, we did, Chad and I didn't want that. We wanted to make sure that what we speak on is the, are things that can resonate or remain for a long, long time. So... Iggy Muella, go to cometry.org. That is the website for Cometry. Anything else you want to like plug or say about that? Uh, no. Final, final, I mean, final hey, thought? That is, the, that is the website. Stay in touch. If anything here tonight has drawn any interest to you or you want to learn more about it, Email me. My email address is iggy at cometry.org. So it's I-G-G-Y at C O M as in Mary E T as in Tom R Y dot org. Check our videos out. That's the website, commentary.org. See what see what we uh, got going on. We're expanding. We got new artists on board, uh, new back behind the scenes uh personnel, let's say call them secretaries if you want to. Like They're helping like out. Getting, yeah, yeah getting bigger production right we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to expand and if there's any local artists who want to do their art for a living reach out because i'd love to help my goal as a commentary co-founder is to get other artists on the road making a living all right thanks man thank you ben it was a joy pleasure appreciate it